Hey there, Hit Parade listeners. What you're about to hear is part one of this episode. Part two will arrive in your podcast feed at the end of the month. Would you like to hear this episode all at once, the day it drops? Sign up for Slate Plus. You can try it for a month for just $1, and it supports not only this show, but all of Slate's acclaimed journalism and podcasts. Just go to slate.com slash hitparadeplus. You'll get to hear every Hit Parade episode in full the day it arrives. Plus, Hit Parade, The Bridge, our bonus episodes with guest interviews, deeper dives on our episode topics, and pop chart trivia. Once again, to join, that's slate.com slash Hit Parade Plus. Thanks. And now, please enjoy part one of this Hit Parade episode. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast contains seasonal Wham! content. Whamageddon players' discretion is advised. Would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Welcome to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine, about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Melanfi, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number One series. On today's show, if by some chance you don't recognize this vocalist, that is the legendary Bing Crosby with Swinging on a Star. It spent a total of 10 cumulative weeks at number one on Billboard's pop singles charts, best-selling retail records, and most-played jukebox records in 1944. That 10-week run was the most of any chart topper that year. He has no manners when he eats his food. Swinging on a Star has become a standard thanks in large part to its prominent inclusion in the film Going My Way, the Crosby-starring Best Picture Academy Award winner for 1944. At that same Oscar ceremony, the tune itself won the Best Original Song Prize, and it probably contributed to Crosby's own Oscar win that night for Best Actor. For most musicians, feats like these would make Swinging on a Star their definitive song, the way such Oscar winners as Theme from Shaft, My Heart Will Go On, and Lose Yourself are the definitive hit for Isaac Hayes, Celine Dion, and Eminem, respectively. But I mean, who are we kidding? This is not the signature hit for Dare Bingle. As soon as I said the name Bing Crosby, I'll bet you instantly thought instead of this chestnut. This is the best-selling single, period, of all time, Bing Crosby's White Christmas a song Irving Berlin wrote for Crosby's 1942 film, Holiday Inn. It, too, won the Best Song Prize at the Oscars, and this 1942 recording has reportedly sold more than 50 million copies worldwide. As per the Guinness Book of World Records, when you include Crosby's later re-recordings of the song, including this one from 1947, which is the version you're likeliest to hear on the radio today, Where the tree tops glisten 
and children listen. Bing's White Christmas has sold upwards of 100 million copies, making it a bigger seller than any other recording. More than four decades after his passing, White Christmas defines Bing Crosby, even though he recorded dozens of other non-Christmas-related smash hits. But Bing is not alone. There are plenty of other artists for whom their holiday hit eclipses everything else in their catalog, whether it was originally a chart hit or not. There are chart acts that had multiple non-seasonal number one hits, like Wham! or Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire who are now mostly consumed at Christmas, from girl groups to Latin rockers R&B legends to millennial crooners. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Even a former Beatle or two, you might be surprised at how much better their holiday singles do on the modern hit parade than most of their other solo material. call these artists Christmas careerists, holiday hitmongers, I sometimes refer to them as chestnut roasters. Their one holiday chestnut, maybe one song among many, has so overtaken their musical oeuvre, they've become seasonal streamers rather than year-round performers. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Today on Hit Parade, we'll compare some of these acts' historical billboard histories to the very merry ways their music is consumed today. For some, the holidays will be their main claim to fame in decades to come, whether or not they embrace their status as Santa's little helpers. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. And speaking of little helpers, Possibly no rock-era act with a top-tier chart career has been more redefined by a single Christmas record than the pint-sized vocalist who is in both the rock and roll and country halls of fame. Brenda Lee is the only woman to achieve that dual enshrinement, by the way. And she even had a few R&B hits, too, back in the day. No matter what chart she appeared on, Brenda Lee just wanted to be wanted. Alone, so alone that I could cry. I want to be wanted. And that's where your hit parade marches today, the week ending December 12th, 1960, when I Want to Be Wanted a recent number one smash by teen vocal sensation Brenda Lee was in its final week in the top 40 of Billboard's Hot 100. That same week, 32 positions lower, this song by Brenda Lee was just making its debut. I'll bet you know this one. Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Brenda Lee's definitive recording of the classic holiday bop would not wind up as big a hit in 1960 as her number one, I Want to Be Wanted. Not even close. Christmas Tree still hasn't topped the Hot 100. But decades later, it would get awfully close. We're still tracking its progress on the chart as I record this. Will Brenda actually score another number one more than 60 years after her last one? Will she pull off what you might call a double Mariah? 
pour yourself some cocoa with marshmallows, and curl up as I explain how legends like Brenda Lee go from chart toppers to chestnut roasters, and just maybe chart toppers again. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer. But he was bored. German pop was formulaic and dull. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who are charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hit Parade listeners who play the Little Drummer Boy Challenge or Whamageddon during the holiday season might just relate to actor Hugh Grant's exasperation in this clip. November the sodding 19th, six weeks before Christmas, and already they were playing the bloody thing. In the 2002 film About a Boy, based on the 1998 novel by Nick Hornby, Grant plays idol bachelor Will Freeman. Here, Will is confronted in the supermarket by an inescapable holiday song that, it so happens, his late father wrote. Hornby's clever plot pivots on this song, Santa's Super Sleigh. Will is a man-child living comfortably in London without a job. He doesn't need one, thanks to his deceased dad's perennial Christmas royalties, which have set Will up for life. Which doesn't mean Will actually likes the ditty that serves as his personal annuity. It's um Santa's super sleigh. Oh god, please don't sing it. Look who's coming round the bend. It's Santa and his reindeer friends with a ho 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 and a hey hey hey. It's Santa's super sleigh. Yeah. I expect people do that all the time. Oh, no, I think you two are the first. Sorry. What makes this plot point true to life, at least as authentic as Billy Mack's plot to score a Christmas number one in Love Actually, another Christmassy British movie starring Hugh Grant, is this. A perennial holiday song really is like winning the lottery. What also makes it true to life, however, is the way that song can define a musician's career, or some might argue, diminish it. For example, when legendary performer Nat King Cole first emerged as a recording artist at the turn of the 1940s, he was widely respected in the jazz world. I'm as happy as a baby boy, with another brand new choo-choo joy. When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine. Tracks like the King Cole Trio's 1940 hit Sweet Lorraine were beloved by jazz heads as much for Nat Cole's sterling piano playing as for his vocals. Cole only began singing due to audience encouragement. As a young man, he was more interested in playing. 
Through the mid-1940s, Cole had a knack for translating authentic jazz playing for mainstream audiences. As on his trio's take on the jazzy R&B standard, Get Your Kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 Now you go through St. Louis and Oklahoma City looks mighty pretty. And then, in 1946, Cole and his trio recorded a new song, written by jazz and pop crooner Mel Torme. And, for the first time, Nat King Cole layered on some strings. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose. It was not only a smash, it changed the direction Nat King Cole would pursue for most of the rest of his career. The Christmas song, Merry Christmas to You, aka Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, was a smash in 1946, number three on both Billboard's pop and R&B charts and it kept coming back year after year. After the Christmas song, Nat King Cole shifted toward vocal showcases, built on orchestral backing, downplaying his jazz roots on tracks like Nature Boy and Too Young. And Cole also re-recorded the Christmas song multiple times, working with arrangers like Nelson Riddle and singing on ever more elaborate orchestral arrangements. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Clearly, Cole himself didn't mind his shift into soft pop vocalizing, nor did Mel Torme. The Christmas song made him a very wealthy man. But jazz aficionados still revere Nat King Cole's 1930s and 40s jazz trio records and disdain his pop records. Whereas, to generations born in the late 20th and early 21st centuries, if they know Nat King Cole at all, it's as the chestnuts roasting, Jack Frost nipping, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, standard bearer. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. On the plus side, the Christmas song ensures generations to come will know who Nat King Cole is, but it does skew his place in the musical firmament. Or what about Dean Martin? One girl, one boy, some grief, some joy, made of The suave actor, cabaret performer, comic, he was one half of the legendary nightclub act Martin and Lewis with his erstwhile friend Jerry Lewis, and of course a charter member of Frank Sinatra's so-called Rat Pack. Dino was also a pretty serious hitmaker. Two sips of wine, memories are made of this. In 1955, at the dawn of rock and roll, Martin scored a number one hit with the jazzy harmony vocal ditty Memories Are Made of This. And nine years later, even after Elvis Presley and the Beatles had stormed the charts, Dean Martin went to number one again with Everybody Loves Somebody. Everybody find somebody someplace. To be sure, both of these songs are staples in Martin's catalog, but they're not what you're likeliest to hear by Dino nowadays. He has instead become the louche chronicler of avoiding winter by snuggling and boozing it up with your baby, both on the classic Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, and since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. 
and on the now controversial, politically incorrect, but still popular, Baby It's Cold Outside. Put some records on while I pour. Baby, it's bad out there. Say what's in this No cabs to be had out there. Nowadays, this pair of wintry tunes by Dean Martin and Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song are far and away the most played of these crooners' recordings on the radio and on streaming services like Spotify. I'll be using those modern yardsticks alongside original Billboard chart performance to try to give a sense of how Christmas has rewired our perceptions of a slew of jazz, rock, country, R&B, and pop eminences since the launch of the Hot 100, and a bit before you may not even realize some of these chestnut roasters had other hits, like this guy. The coyotes wail along the trail Deep in the heart of Texas Gene Autry, the self-styled singing cowboy, helped bring country and western to the masses as early as the 1930s. Even before Billboard had a country chart, Autry was scoring national crossover hits, like his 1942 take on Deep in the Heart of Texas. After Billboard's country chart launched in 1944, Autry started racking up hits. He scored 18 straight country top 10s through 1948, including the military-themed At Mail Call Today, a story about a soldier separated from his sweetheart, an eight-week number one in 1945. At mail call today, dear, your last letter came. I just stood there smiling. Singing about the military was done by design. Not only was there a war on, but Gene Autry had a rep to protect. His singing cowboy persona was a masculine archetype, both on the radio and on the silver screen. Maybe that's why he needed convincing when he was brought this song in 1949. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Dahmer and Blitzen. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was penned by famed Christmas songwriter Johnny Marks, like Irving Berlin, a Jew, by the way. Marx wrote it accompanying a promotional holiday children's book issued by department store Montgomery Ward. Marx himself later called Rudolph, quote, one of the worst songs ever written. The other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Gene Autry didn't much care for Rudolph either. Autry had first started edging into holiday music with Here Comes Santa Claus, a song he himself co-wrote and recorded in 1947. It was a top five country hit in 1948. So hang your stockings and say your prayers cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. But Johnny Marx's ditty about an underestimated magical caribou with an electric schnoz, that was a bridge too far for Autry. Gene rejected Rudolph at first, even as a B-side, before his wife convinced him the song was sweet and cajoled him into recording it, and Autry's career, already at its height, was culturally rebooted. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer you go down in history. During the 1949-1950 holiday season, Autry's Rudolph hit number one on both the country and pop charts. The singing cowboy became, from then on, primarily a Christmas singer. Rudolph, Here Comes Santa Claus, Up on the Housetop, Autry's versions of these songs are all on Billboard's Holiday 100 chart this very week, in 2021. Autry's Rudolph is even on the current Hot 100 pop chart for the fourth Christmas in a row. So that's what happened to a formative country legend when he got swallowed by Christmas. What about a jazz guy? Consider this pianist. This is not a holiday song, but his tone on the keys might sound familiar. 
Vince Guaraldi never meant to be either a holiday nor a children's recording artist. He was a serious jazz player inspired by the work of such prior piano legends as Oscar Peterson and Bill Evans. At one point around the turn of the 50s, he was even warming up crowds for Art Tatum. He formed the Vince Guaraldi Trio in 1955. This take of the standard The Ladies in Love With You was on the Vince Guaraldi Trio's 1956 self-titled album. What made the bespectacled, mustachioed Guaraldi exceptional was how he connected with pop audiences even after rock and roll replaced jazz as America's primary youth music. In 1962, when Samba and Bossa Nova were at their crossover peak in the Girl from Ipanema era, the Vince Guaraldi trio recorded an entire LP interpreting selections from the likes of Antonio Carlos Jobim. From that album, they scored an actual honest-to-goodness top 40 pop hit with a Latin-flavored Guaraldi original called Cast Your Fate to the Wind. Cast Your Fate peaked at number 22 in early 1963, better even than fellow bespectacled jazz pianist Dave Brubeck had done in 1961 with his number 25 pop hit, Take Five. Vince Guaraldi had proved that he had the soul of a jazz bow, but an ear for pop which might explain why a pair of television producers approached him in 1965 to do the music for an animated holiday special, based around the unusually melancholy Peanuts comic strip characters by Charles M. Schultz. Charlie Brown Christmas, which established the half-hour animated special as a TV norm, was unorthodox in every sense, built around actual child voice actors and themed around how the holiday season can be deeply emo. Vince Guaraldi's music only enhanced this mood. His trio's jazzy takes on Christmas standards, like O Tannenbaum and The Little Drummer Boy, set a new template for ambient holiday music. And one instrumental, an original by Guaraldi that was not specifically Christmassy, became both a holiday perennial and his signature song. Linus and Lucy, a song named for Peanuts' brother and sister, would recur through later Peanuts TV specials like It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and It's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown. But it remains most associated with the Christmas season. As I speak, it's in the top 30 on Billboard's seasonal Holiday 100 chart. Guaraldi did continue to record non-Charlie Brown music. His 1968 album, The Eclectic Vince Guaraldi, introduced his jazzy singing voice. I'm the family's unknown boy Golden curls of envied hair Goody girls with faces fair See the shine on the black sheep boy which Guaraldi then repurposed for more Peanuts TV music, such as the Snoopy the Dog anthem, Joe Cool. Joe Cool, making the rounds, checking all the kitties up and down. When Vince Guaraldi died from a heart attack in 1976, sadly, he was only 47, he was satisfied with his children's TV-infused recording career. The thing is, even when actual children are singing on his tracks, though, Guaraldi's music, thanks to the holidays, is no longer really considered kiddie music. Christmas time, 
On Billboard's Holiday 100, Goraldi's Christmas Time is Here, Linus and Lucy, and O Tannenbaum come back year after year. Even more remarkably, on the Billboard 200, the regular year-round all-genre album chart, the Vince Goraldi trio's A Charlie Brown Christmas is now not only a perennial, but a smash. This year, in 2021, it has reached a new album chart peak of number nine. By the way, the LP never charted while Goraldi was alive. And it does particularly well on vinyl. This week, it's number four on Billboard's vinyl albums chart, just behind new LPs by Adele and Taylor Swift. Are kids buying all that Vince Goraldi vinyl? I sincerely doubt it. The music Guaraldi made for a primetime 1965 TV special sponsored by Coca-Cola is now best consumed with a whiskey rocks and a long stare out a snowy window. While we're in this mellow mood, allow me to play this old standard. Wider than a mile I'm crossing you in style Someday That's Andy Williams with Moon River, made famous in the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's. Though the original recording by composer Henry Mancini was the chart hit, a number 11 peak on the Hot 100, and the one that, in 1962, won Mancini both an Oscar for Best Original Song and a Grammy for Record of the Year, Andy Williams's version is now widely considered the standard for Moon River. And Williams did score chart hits of his own on his 1957 smash Butterfly, a number one on Billboard's Most Played by Disc Jockeys chart, Williams was on trend with a vocal that sounded a lot like Elvis. Then you fly around with somebody new, but I'm crazy about you, you butterfly. In 1963, Williams topped the album chart for more than four months with his LP Days of Wine and Roses. The days of wine and roses Laugh and run away That album spawned a Hot 100 smash with Can't Get Used to Losing You, a number two hit that sounds both deeply old-fashioned and strangely modern. You can't get used to losing you no matter what I try to do. Gonna live my whole life through loving you. Call up some girl I used to know. Maybe that modernity explains why those plucking strings were sampled more than 50 years later by none other than Beyonce. And the song was covered extensively, most notably in a two-tone ska version by British New Wavers The Beat, aka The English Beat in America. So, yeah, for all his schlockiness, Andy Williams was kind of badass, as affirmed by the Simpsons' secret fan, ha-haing bully Nelson Muntz. What is this place? Branson, Missouri. My dad says it's like Vegas, if it were run by Ned Flanders. Andy Williams! Oh, we don't need to stop here. Yes, we do! And yet... All of those cool old Andy Williams ditties are not remotely what he is known for today. Happy holiday, happy holiday, while the merry bells keep ringing, happy holiday to you. 
first recorded a Christmas album in 1963. It was an immediate smash. Even though Billboard at this time segregated holiday music on a chart separate from its flagship top LPs, the Andy Williams Christmas album dominated that holiday chart for three consecutive years, going back to number one on the Christmas chart again and again. And not unlike what he did to Moon River, it established several songs as Andy Williams' standards. His take on Irving Berlin's Happy Holiday is definitive, and a new song on 1963's Andy Williams' Christmas album is, I say this with love, a schlock classic. It's the most wonderful time of the year. For the last six Christmases, Andy Williams has dominated the radio and Spotify with It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Each year on both the Holiday 100 and the Hot 100, it does a little better. Last year, during the 2020 holiday season, it reached a new Hot 100 peak of number five. This year, as of this week, it's once again cracked the top ten and is still rising. Maybe it'll reach yet another new peak by New Year's. There'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. Like Gene Autry, once Williams went St. Nick, he didn't go back. His televised Christmas specials persisted into the 90s, and he recorded a new holiday album at least once a decade. Later LPs like 1965's Merry Christmas generated additional hits, like his take on Do You Hear What I Hear. A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. Which, by the way, is number 78 on Billboard's Holiday 100 this week. Williams died in 2012, just as streaming music was beginning to take over the Billboard charts. If there is an afterlife, and Williams can see how Spotify is making him a hitmaker every December, he might indeed still regard it as the most wonderful time of the year. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Most of you listening right now are probably multitasking. Yep, while you're listening, you're probably also driving, cleaning, exercising, or maybe even grocery shopping. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you can be doing right now. Getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy, and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. So, just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So far, all of the chestnut roasters I've discussed have been purveyors of pre-rock music. But here's a rock and roll Hall of Fame legend who's still with us and has leaned into her seasonal fame. Write me a letter, more than me a This is The Blossoms, a girl group that singer Darlene Wright joined in 1957. Almost immediately, Darlene took their material up a notch, so much so that they recorded singles for a string of labels and got noticed for session work, backing up the likes of Sam Cooke. Eventually, in 1962, the Blossoms were invited to sing on a session by infamous producer Phil Spector. He's the one who would eventually rename Darlene Wright, Darlene Love. But her first time singing on a Spector recording, a number one hit no less. It wasn't under the name The Blossoms or Darlene Wright or Darlene Love. He's a Rebel was credited to The Crystals, a pre-existing, totally separate girl group in Spectre's stable of acts that just couldn't make it into the studio in time for the session. Desperate to get a version of this surefire hit into stores before a competing version by singer Vicky Carr, Phil Spector recorded The Blossoms singing the song, featuring Darlene Love's powerhouse vocals, and simply printed The Crystal's name on the He's a Rebel single. It spent two weeks on top of the Hot 100 in November 1962. A Rebel wasn't even the last faux Crystals single to feature Darlene Love's vocals. She and the Blossoms also sang on the early 1963 number 11 hit, He's Sure the Boy I Love. In between those two Crystals hits, Darlene Love and the Blossoms scored another hit with another Spectre act, Bob B. Sox and the Blue Jeans, their R&B arrangement of the Disney standard zip a dee doo reached number nine. After the second of the two fake Crystals hits, Darlene confronted the producer and demanded that she be able to sing under her own name. And say this for Phil Spector, he did give her an amazing showcase. talked about the classic 1963 album A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector in our prior Hit Parade episode on Holiday Hits. This seasonal compilation was a showcase for Spector's wall of sound and, arguably, the album's star, the only vocalist on the compilation credited as a solo singer was Darlene Love. She commanded three songs on the Spectre Christmas LP, two of which were standards, Winter Wonderland and the song made famous by Bing Crosby, White Christmas. But the LP's signature song was an original, penned by the team of Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry with Spectre, called simply Christmas, parentheses, Baby, Please Come Home. Christmas, 
her powerhouse vocals, Darlene Love made this new classic her signature song. None of the tracks on Spectre's Christmas album was issued as a single in 1963, hence none made the Billboard charts. But for decades, long after Darlene Love broke away from the controlling Phil Spector, Christmas Baby Please Come Home was her calling card. It was later covered by everyone from U2 to Cher, but no one could take Christmas away from Darlene Love. For 28 years, from 1986 to 2014, every holiday season, like clockwork, Love would appear on David Letterman's late-night talk show on both NBC and CBS to sing her song backed by Paul Schaefer's band. As far as I'm concerned, the best thing about the holiday season is when our next guest takes the stage for what is now an annual late show tradition. Here now to sing Christmas Baby Please Come Home, our good friend Darlene Love. Let's go! And it may well be the song that eventually got Darlene Love into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. Induction presenter Bette Midler seemed to imply as much. Darlene was the very embodiment of teen spirit in the 60s, singing lead and backgrounds for Phil Spector with and without credit. These records have remained in people's hearts. They are still played and loved all over the world. It's safe to say also that Christmas isn't officially here until Darlene wails, Christmas baby, please come home. To this day, Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home, is the Darlene Love vocal you're likeliest to hear. According to MRC data, in calendar 2020 alone, the song was played on terrestrial radio more than 14,000 times nationwide and streamed on services like Spotify over 92 million times. That, by the way, is 17 times the modern radio spins for the Crystal song, He's a Rebel, and 52 times as many streams. So, that's one 60s hitmaker who hit the Christmas jackpot. Here's another from the late 60s and early 70s who is also still walking the earth, and whatever you know him for, he was a maker of hits. Or should I say, un artista de éxitos? Jose Feliciano, from Lares, Puerto Rico, projected a kind of post-folky, hippie-era cool. His trademark sunglasses, worn due to his blindness, caused by congenital glaucoma at birth, were purposeful but gave him a vibe. That was in full effect in 1968, when Feliciano scored a massive hit with his sensual, stripped-down Latin pop cover of The Doors' Light My Fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. One year after The Doors took the song to number one, Feliciano brought Light My Fire back to the Hot 100, where his version peaked at a remarkable number three. For a couple of years, José Feliciano was a pretty serious pop star. His self-titled LP, Feliciano! peaked at number two went gold, and rode the album chart for more than a year. Before 1968 was over, he generated a couple more hits with his takes on the blue song High Heel Sneakers and the groovy Hitchcock Railway. Home trip, ticket to sail away, hand grip, Hitchcock Railway, sub ride, made for comfort, been tried, 
All of these were covers. Feliciano had a skillful ear for songs he could give his signature spin. He was defining Latin rock crossover before Carlos Santana had even debuted. In 1969, a year when Feliciano scored two more gold albums, one of them a live double LP, a rarity at the time, he utterly transformed the Beatles' B-side, She's a Woman, into a minor hit for himself. Well, she's a woman who understands She's a woman who loves her man My bed don't give me presents but as with Gene Autry, Vince Guaraldi, and Darlene Love before him, none of these year-round hits were what made bank for Jose Feliciano over the long haul. As his albums started to peak at lower chart rungs at the turn of the 70s, Feliciano decided to record a Christmas album. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire as was typical for him, most of the Holiday LP consisted of covers. But Feliciano's savviest move was writing a totally original song, one whose royalties he could keep. He wrote it one Christmas Eve in L.A. when he felt homesick for his traditional Puerto Rican holiday celebrations. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. The result would become a Latin Christmas standard, one that was not only effortlessly catchy, but expressed universal sentiments in both Spanish and English in a way that welcomed everyone. Feliz Navidad was a slow grower. It appeared on no Billboard chart in the 70s, when it was new. Feliciano kept himself busy that decade playing guitar for Joni Mitchell on her 1974 hit, Free Man in Paris. Stoke in the star, make a machinery behind the popular song. recording the theme song to the hit TV show Chico and the Man. Chico, don't be discouraged. The man he ain't so hard to understand. But quietly, Feliz Navidad started making the rounds as a holiday perennial most prominently on the 1978 PBS special Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, in which Big Bird ice skated to the song. Feliz Two decades later, when adult contemporary stations began their shift to all Christmas music during the holidays, Feliz Navidad, which was friendly to both Hispanic and Anglo audiences, filled a useful slot in those AC station rotations. During the holiday season of 1997, the song made its first ever Billboard appearance on the adult contemporary chart. A couple of seasons later, at the height of the Ricky Martin and Jennifer Lopez Latin pop explosion, Feliz Navidad peaked on the AC chart at number 12. And then, a couple of decades after that, in the 2010s when streaming took hold on the charts, Feliz Navidad finally cracked the Hot 100, breaking into the top 40 for the first time in 2018. Last year, during the holiday season of 2020, a year when Feliciano's Castaña was played 54,000 times on terrestrial radio, Feliz Navidad reached a new Hot 100 peak of, no kidding, number six. Now, that might still be a few spots lower than his 1968 number three hit, Light My Fire. But nowadays, there's no comparison. 
on Spotify, Feliciano's streams for Navidad outdo those for Light My Fire nearly 100 to 1. A groovy Doors cover? That's a time capsule. A Christmas standard? That is eternal. While I'm rhapsodizing about slow-growing early 70s holiday standards, let's talk about my very favorite one, written and performed by a soul man's soul man. I've been so many places in my life and time I've sung a lot of songs I've made some bad ones In his life and time, Donny Hathaway recorded definitive versions of several classic songs. Among the first was his 1971 take on Leon Russell's oft-covered composition, A Song for You. I know your image of me is what I hope to be. As acclaimed as Hathaway's music was, he was only a modest hitmaker, especially when he recorded by himself. Solo, Donnie never cracked the pop top 40, and even on the R&B side, he could only get as high as the low to mid 20s, as on his 1970 number 23 hit, The Ghetto. What made Hathaway's career was, for one thing, his on-stage prowess. The 1972 LP Donny Hathaway Live was an instant classic. Critic Emily Lordy later wrote that Hathaway, quote, could bring the drama, pain, and joy of soul music to an audience like nobody else, unquote. And the album was also a near instant hit. Donny Hathaway Live peaked at number 18 on the pop album chart and quickly went gold, remarkable for a soul singer with few crossover hits. But Hathaway's other great asset was his friendship with R&B legend Roberta Flack who happened to be a college classmate of Donnie's from their days at Howard University. As it turned out, their voices also blended beautifully. You just called out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Flax and Hathaway's duet version of Carol King's You've Got a Friend was Hathaway's first crossover hit, number 8 R&B and number 29 pop during the same 1971 summer that James Taylor had a hit with the song. The following year, Flack and Hathaway climbed even higher with the breezy, easy listener Where Is the Love? which hit number five pop, number one R&B. Where is the love? You told me that you didn't love him And you were gonna say goodbye It was later in 1972, at the first flush of his fame with Roberta Flack, that Donny Hathaway cracked the charts and then only briefly with a solo song he had recorded and co-written back in 1970. Just creating the song was one of his proudest achievements. Presents and cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you This Christmas And as I look around Your eyes outshine the town they do This Christmas, 
was a deliberate attempt by Donny Hathaway and co-writer Nadine McKinner to create the ultimate black Christmas song, steeped in the soul tradition and on trend with 70s R&B. Producer and percussionist Rick Powell recalled that Hathaway, quote, knew what he wanted to do musically and the impact he wanted to make, unquote. Indeed, musically, everything about This Christmas is near flawless. From its sleigh bells to its brass breakdown, Hathaway's impassioned vocal, and a wonderfully casual soul piano bridge. Though it would eventually become a black radio staple, during Hathaway's lifetime, the only chart this Christmas touched was Billboard's seasonal Christmas singles chart, where it spent a solitary week at number 11 in 1972. It was a blip at a time when Hathaway's friendship with Roberta Flack was making him a fairly regular R&B chart presence. Late in the decade, the duo scored one more huge crossover hit with The Closer I Get to You, a number two pop, number one R&B smash in 1978. Sadly, this would be the last time Donny Hathaway would get to hear one of his songs spreading across the airwaves. In early 1979, after a psychotic episode during a studio session, Hathaway took his own life in New York City. The loss devastated Roberta Flack as well as the entire R&B community. Later that year, vocal troupe The Whispers released the tribute A Song for Donnie, which interpolated the melody of This Christmas. And your music will be so very, very special to me. It was an appropriate homage, acknowledging the holiday song's emerging status as a standard in the black community, and helping to kick off its long, slow climb to cross-cultural renown. This Christmas was reissued in 1991 on an Atco Records Soul Christmas CD release, which helped to solidify the song's status as a radio recurrent. In 2007, the song lent its title to a movie, Last Christmas, starring Loretta Devine, Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, and Regina King. On the soundtrack, Hathaway's composition was covered by Chris Brown. In the mid-tens, covers of This Christmas by both the American rock band Train and British soul singer Seal topped the adult contemporary chart. Finally, last year, in 2020, Donny Hathaway's original recording of This Christmas made its Hot 100 debut, cracking the top 40 at number 39, fueled by nearly 11,000 radio spins and 63 million streams. We're caroling through the night And this Christmas will be In short, it took literally half a century for Donny Hathaway's soul perennial to become a pop hit, but it was immortal from the day he recorded it. When we come back, how the streaming era has flattened legendary careers by enshrining holiday hits, 
including the Wham! song Hit Parade listeners are begging me not to play again, the Brenda Lee song that has rocked the tree while eclipsing the rest of her work, the 21st century crooners who are giving the merry what they want, and two ex-bandmates named John and Paul whose post-divorce catalogs might someday be reduced to just their jolliest hits. Seriously, former Beatles, I've got the data to back it up. Non-Slate Plus listeners will hear the rest of this episode in two weeks. For now, I hope you've been enjoying this episode of Hit Parade. Our show was written, edited, and narrated by Chris Melanfi. That's me. My producer is Asha Saluja. Special thanks this month go to radio researcher Sean Ross and the staff at MRC Data. June Thomas is the senior managing producer and Gabriel Roth, the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. Check out their roster of shows at slate.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe to Hit Parade wherever you get your podcasts, in addition to finding it in the Slate Culture feed. If you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us while you're there. It helps other listeners find the show. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to leading the Hit Parade back your way. We'll see you for part two in a couple of weeks. Until then, simply have yourself a wonderful Christmas time and keep on marching on the one. I'm Chris Melanfi. <laughs>